you first have to really start looking not just like uh, with labels with like the occupation and i need to be an entrepreneur i need to have my own business you know all that obviously was true and, and needed to happen for me but it was also more internally who i needed to become i needed to take bigger risks i needed mm-hmm. to do things that not everyone was willing to do i needed to be willing to be embarrassed to, to face rejection to sell stuff that um you know not everyone wanted and that people would judge me for and that people had um their opinions on i needed to be able to um have confidence in a way that that i hadn't welcome to the 30 minute hour it's the personal development podcast for entrepreneurs who are looking to level up and become unstoppable i'm your host eric twig your procrastination prevention partner Join me as always, you know him as the super CEO, business strategist extraordinaire, and all around good guy, Ted Fells. Happy Monday, happy Monday, happy Monday. Absolutely, it is certainly a happy Monday. That Monday seems to come around very quickly. Flying, man, it'll be March tomorrow. Right. So, so the question today we always ask people is, how are you coming with those 2022 goals? <laughs> right. Or for some of the, some of the folks that watch us and listen to us, how are you coming with your, your New Year's resolutions? Sure, there's some stories out there about that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's why you guys have to check us out on Coffee and Conversation. You know, we're doing the first Saturdays of the month where we're talking about goal setting and how do you stay on track and why you can set goals instead of resolutions. So that's definitely something uh, to stay on top of, but really take time to reflect on where you are mm. with your goals and what you need to do to, uh, to get better. And you know, do you need to really make sure you've got a compelling vision that you're working off of? That, that's going to be one of the themes of our show today. I don't want to give give away too much before we really get into it, but that's gonna be one of the themes. Don't give them too much. Don't give them too much. I can't give it away. Mm-hmm. But but this is gonna be an awesome show. And I guess I mean, she's got an amazing story of how she got to where she is today. But before we go there, I, I think I should warn you, especially those of you that are new to listening to us and watching us, this is not your everyday podcast. No. No, I don't think we warned Leah backstage, but th- we do things a little different here on the 30-minute hour. And certainly, uh, we've got quite a few watching us now on uh, Facebook, on YouTube, on LinkedIn. Uh, make sure that you're commenting in the comment section. Say hello. Get ready with your questions. Um, you can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all those usual places where you like to consume your podcasts. Uh, and don't forget, today is Motivational Monday. So make sure you tune in to the What Now Movement Facebook page. Uh, that way you can get some motivation to keep yourself on track for the rest of the week. And by the way, don't forget to share the show. Share the show. Don't keep it to you. Share the show. That's right. Our goal is to help you to laugh, to learn, and ultimately to level up. If you feel like we've done that for you, please make sure you share the show. And if you don't feel like we share the show anyway, <laughs> share the show anyway. Just share it. Just do us a favor. Just, just share right. it. Do Give us a solid, right? Go on and share it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Okay. So, Ted. Yes, Eric. I've got something that's on my mind. Please share it. All right. So today I want to talk from the subject of how to generate six figures per month. I know that. I know. I know folks are listening in on that. (laughs) Somebody just got closer to their computer. They were like, like, hold on, hold on, hold on. We turn off everything that's going on in the background. I got to hear this. everything. Y'all be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to figure this out. Go downstairs. That's right. <laughs> but now we're going to talk about how to generate six figures per month. 
And several years ago, I used to mentor this young man. His name is Jerry. And he was just very resistant to my suggestion of creating a vision board. I kept telling him the, the science behind it, the power behind it, the whole thing about the reticular activating system. But Leah, I gave him all of the details as to why it would be a good idea to start a vision board, do a vision board. He just wouldn't do it. But finally, after like about three weeks, he just did one. I think he just did it to get me off his back, just to get me to stop talking to him about doing a vision board. So he did it. And then several weeks later, he ended up changing careers. So we, we lost contact. Mm. But two years later, I, I received this message in my LinkedIn uh, inbox. And it was from Jerry. And he says, Eric, thank you for pushing me so hard to do a vision board. I just wanted you to know that I've accomplished most of the things I put on the board. Uh, and remember that picture I placed of, my, of a house? I just wanted you to know that I just saved up enough money to buy my first home. Wow. So what does this have to do with generating six figures per month? Now that's the question. What does it really have to do with that? Yeah. Well, this is the part of the program we really need you to focus in, right? I get it. I know you like to listen to us as you're driving down the road. You may just want to pull off, pull over to the side of the road, maybe pull into a rest area or something. Uh, you, you, I know you like to be on the Peloton while you're listening to it. Just press pause on the Peloton right about now. So, Ted, is there anything else the good people need to do? Put the ham sandwich down. I know no matter how good the sandwich is, you've been thinking about it all day. You got cheese, mayonnaise, and everything on it. Put it down right now. Destroy it. it. It's about to get really good, so we need you to listen in. Absolutely. So what does this have to do with generating six figures per month? Here's what it has to do with it. You ready? Yes, sir. The first step to doing it is viewing it. Mm, get them that again, Eric. Give them that again. I say that again. So the first step to doing it is viewing it. Mm. All right. Very important. You have to see the vision. So your vision is to generate six figures per month. And as I guess I'll talk about it helps if you can see it beforehand. And that, that's really a starting point to get you to where you need to be. And I guess today she has something in common with Jerry in that she created a vision board a while back. I mean, she was like 13 years old. Mm. And it allowed her to view a glimpse of the life that she actually has now. And she started her business as a struggling side hustler trying to find her direction as a 20-something living in the Big Apple. Mm. Today, she's an online business coach who's helped hundreds of her clients start and scale successful side hustles and businesses. She works with them to help their businesses generate six figures per month. Ooh, say that again, Eric. Six figures per month. Listen up. Listen up. Right. She, she's not coming here just talking theory. She's telling you what she knows because she's helped people to do it. And it, and it has to be doable if other people are doing it. I just thought I'd put that out mm -hmm. there. Oh, yeah. All right. So please join me in welcoming to the 30-Minute Hour podcast, Leah Gervais. Thanks for having me. Well, All right. thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. Uh, it's certainly an honor to have you on. <laughs> so I, I wanted to talk about. I'm sorry. Can I say one thing, Eric? I'm trying to... your your name on here. Yeah. Your your daughter, I think, got you. You what see what? You... Oh. You didn't see what your what your name is listed as. That's Aaron Twigs. My name, oh, my name is listed in. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, is Aaron Twiggs. That's right. <laughs> she was like, doing a podcast. Did, did, did she do a show or something? Uh, she's an upcoming podcaster. That's, that's right. Know about that. Good stuff. Good stuff. So as we're talking, we'll be changing that. But, but thanks, <laughs> for, 
telling the entire world about that. That's, that's right. That's right. I didn't want them to know. Want them to know. All right. So, Leah, welcome to the show. Uh, I, I wanted to go back a little bit, kind of give people perspective. Talk about how when you were 13 years old, you did this vision board and how that's impacted you even to this day. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. So the story goes that uh, when I was 13, I grew up in a small town in Colorado. And pretty much from the time I could talk, I knew I wanted to live in New York City. I was one of those small girls that did ballet and wanted to be on Broadway. And then as everyone sort of grew up and we went through middle and high school, everyone kind of like got realistic about that. And I just never grew out of it. I never, ever, ever stopped wanting to live in New York. So when I was 13, I didn't know what a vision board was and I didn't intentionally make one. What I asked for for my birthday was a mural on my wall of the Manhattan skyline. And it was something that I had wanted for a long time, but my parents just didn't really want to put up in their house. And finally for my birthday, they gave it to me. So my dad installed this you know, mural that he basically uh, put on like wallpaper onto my wall of the New York city skyline. And I really believe that that was my very first vision of a vision board, because now I live in that, you know, picture that I saw on and on every night before mm -hmm. I was going to bed for years growing up. And my view is is not too, uh, not too far away from the view that I had for so long. So mm -hmm. I've never really questioned the power of visioning things since then. And I really believe in that Bob Proctor quote, that if you can hold it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. Mm -hmm. Wow. You can hold it in your mind. You can hold it in your hand. Wow. That is profound. So, so why, why is it, I'm sure you work with your clients on vision and vision boards. What's your perspective on why doing a vision board is so effective? Well, I think that vision boards are a tool that taps into the sort of emotional side of the brain. And if you think of universal law and the universal law of both, well, this isn't technically a law, but if you think about the universal energies of masculine and feminine energy, I don't know if your viewers are familiar, but it's not about male versus female energy. It's sort of a yin and yang that we all have within us. Some have more masculine energy, some have more female or um, feminine energy, but we all need a balance of the two. And if you look at what they both represent, you can see how harmonious they are together. Masculine energy has a lot of uh, logic and doing and thinking and planning and sort of doing things in really linear ways. Mm -hmm. Whereas more feminine energy is about feeling and being and sort of intuing, um, listening to your intuition. Uh, and and I, I think that feminine energy can be described very well or seen very well as water and the power behind masculine energy, it would be closer to fire. So yeah. In our society, we tend to lean far too much on the masculine. And that's just because that is kind of more the definition of success that we've come to know. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, except we're missing part of us and the power that we have because we don't know about it. And so I think that visioning and vision boards and spending time not just doing, not just, you know, thinking and planning, but embodying and visioning and feeling what we want to happen really, really fuels your action in a way that a lot of us are missing. So mm. you can sort of think of it, you can imagine that someone who's taking action just from a place of doing versus someone who's taking action from a place of doing and feeling the way that they want to feel as they achieve their results and feeling into the success, it's going to have a lot more fuel behind it. So mm. I think that visioning and vision boards are just a way to tap into that in a really practical, digestible way, because I think that these concepts can sound very abstract to people um, and you don't always really know how to go about it. So I think that that's just a very bite-sized way that taps into that for everyone. You know, it's not just about male versus female. Hmm. I've never heard it described that way as far as the masculine versus the feminine energy and the energy aspect. So thank you for mm, yeah, sure. applying that level of clarity. Um, so going to when you were in college, you were at New York University. Yeah. Uh, like, what did you think that you were going to be as a, when you were on campus at New York University? A lawyer. <laughs> I thought I was going to move to New York City and be a lawyer, a la, you know, every sitcom that's ever been on about New York, like someone's a lawyer. So I thought that that's what I was going to move to New York and do and be. And that was sort of what 
I just thought I was meant to do. And I was really praised for that path. You know, it's very impressive when you tell people that you want to go to law school, people know what to expect. They think it's great. There's a lot of ambition behind being a lawyer. It's sort of seen in high regard. So no one ever really pushed against me when I said I wanted to be a lawyer when I was younger and when I went to NYU. So that was my plan. I joined the pre-law society. Um, I didn't study political science because I never really wanted to be in, in politics as a lawyer. Mm. So I kind of studied more what I was interested in and, and what I thought I could eventually do with my law degree, but that was the plan. Mm. So if you could go back to those days and talk to yourself from back then, knowing what you now know, what advice would you give to your younger self? It's a great question. I don't think that I would change all that much about my path because I so believe in the dots always connecting when you look back. But I do think that now knowing that I'm going that I was going to be an entrepreneur and really for even just people in college at this point, the traditional career paths, so few people follow them. I shouldn't say so few people, but so many less people follow them than than it used to be. And, and even if you don't become an entrepreneur, a lot of people end up working for startups or working for something a bit more innovative than the, the legal field or the medical field or sort of these just very siloed, you know, industries we've known for so long. So I really just say study what interests you and try to diversify your, your experience and your background and your education because college isn't about training for a job. And I think that that's where a lot of people get it wrong. They think that they're learning how to do a job, but you learn how to do a job by doing the job, <laughs> not by sitting in a classroom. So if I could go back, I think I would have just tried to, you know, loosen the grip a little bit, definitely not put as much pressure on myself as I did since I never ended up going to law school and just tried to enjoy the experience, learning more and um, pursuing what I was interested in rather than what I think I should do, which is a huge theme that I'm sure you and a lot of your listeners talk about doing what you want to do rather than what you think you need to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you thought you were going to be a lawyer. So, so what, what was the, the journey? How do you go from thinking you're going to be a lawyer to now having your own company? So, excuse me, I graduated from NYU and I got a job as a paralegal at a real estate law firm here in, in the city. And I thought I like had made it. I was like, this is great. I'm 22. I already have a job at a law firm. I'm going to go to law school. My life, it, I see it. You know, it's all done. <laughs> I never yeah. have to wonder again what path I'm on. How exciting. And so I ended up doing that paralegal job for about two years. And about a year in is when I started studying for the LSAT and when I started applying to law schools and touring law schools and really getting that ball moving. And simultaneously, I started to feel uneasy about the whole thing. And I started really questioning if this was actually the path I wanted to go down. And I think that this was a mix of the work I was doing at my law firm, not being bad per se, but something about it didn't really feel all that aligned. And a mix of sort of just my own inner voice telling me that something was off. But I hadn't really found the courage back then that I now have to listen to my intuition and to try to actually figure things out, even if they don't all match up. And so, oops, sorry. So I hadn't really done that. And I just continued to go on with my law school adventure and just continued to move forward with that because that's the path I was on. That was what I thought I was supposed to do. So I applied to law schools. I took the LSAT. I kept working there and I eventually did get into law school. And at that point, I had gotten accepted into a few different law schools and I had spent months trying to figure out which law school I was going to accept. I, I just couldn't figure out which one. And it and that's it's unlike me. I'm a pretty decisive person, but it wasn't until I was on the final day of the deadline when the law schools required me to tell all of them which one I was going to enroll in that I woke up and finally could not ignore the voice in my head anymore that was just saying it's not about which law school you're going to go to. It's that you're just you're not going to go. This isn't what mm -hmm. you're meant to do. This isn't your path. And I was very afraid because I had spent the last six years 
tens of thousands of dollars of debt to go to NYU to do this. And, mm -hmm. and the only professional job I had at that point was in the legal field. So, you know, looking back, it sounds a little melodramatic. I was only like 24 and no one knows what they're doing with their life at 24 years old, but it was very real and very scary at the time mm -hmm. because I felt like I was going back to being 18 years old if I said no to this and I didn't know what I was going to do instead, but I couldn't deny it any longer. So I did that. I said, no, I started a then blog that was called urban 20 something to kind of chronicle my journey out of confusion and out of that lost experience into hopefully finding guidance and and a career path that did feel aligned even though i didn't know what that was and that blog which was just something that i started for fun and and out of this craving of community um turned into the the business i now have mm. so, so, so talk about that i was like okay go ahead so, so your family and friends, when you said, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go this way and yeah. do something different, like, well, what, what did you hear from them? My parents were supportive. I think that they were a little bit confused about what I was going to do instead, rightfully so, because I was confused. But, you know, I think they knew at the end of it that um, I was young and, and, and I think they would rather have me sort of experiment on that thing at a younger age. My friends, I definitely felt inferior toward because I looked at my friends and I felt like they were all doing something with the degree that they had. I felt like mm -hmm. they were all on a track that they wanted to be. Yeah. And that was a that was challenging to feel like I was really setting myself back and starting over and you know, I, I envied them for, for looking like they had it in my eyes so much more together than I did. Yeah. Um, I can now see that nearly every single one of them has changed fields since then. And so it's wow. not about being ahead or being behind or, you know, it's just being where you're at. And I think that mm. at this day and age, there's like changing where, what field you're in or changing your focus doesn't mean you're moving backward. It often can mean you're moving forward. You're just doing it in a different way. So I didn't know that at the time. I didn't have the confidence to see it that way. Um, but you know, I think people were supportive. Do I think people would have done it themselves? Probably not. It's one of those things where everyone's like, good for you. I would never do that, but good never for you. <laughs> what is she thinking? Yeah, exactly. 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 But you know, it's not their job to see your vision for you. It's sure. not your friend's job. It's not your family's job. It's no one's job, but yours. And I, I wish more people understood that because mm. it, it can be very painful when, your parents don't agree with your decisions when your spouse doesn't agree with your decision. And I, and I have a lot of sympathy for that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, that's not their job. You know, it's, it's not their job to see that for you. You need to see it for yourself. Yeah. yeah I think you have to think about, you know, they didn't get the vision. The vision was for you. They weren't given the vision. Right. So they, you can't expect them to see something that they weren't given. I could imagine, you were hearing peer pressure, like, you know, maybe get, get something that's more secure, do something more stable, more reliable. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I think that people have thought that and been telling me that since, you know, I quit my nine to five job since I started my business. I think some people still think that about me, maybe not now, but for the first few years, definitely. And I think that the, the reframe that you can use when you are feeling bogged down by other people's opinions of how you should do things and how things should be done is to really ask yourself if the way that they're living and the, their approach to life is actually something you want to emulate and is something that you admire, because otherwise you're taking advice from people that you don't really want to end up like. And I think a lot of us do that, especially with family members. We love our family. It doesn't mean you need to dislike these people or think poorly of them. It just means that you're not following their lead because you don't want to go in that direction. And so I think that when you're hearing people kind of project these fears onto you, you just have to ask yourself, is this really who I want to be following? Is this really the direction I want to go in? And if it's not, why would I listen to that kind of feedback? And so I, you know, had to really get aggressive with listening to people who were living out the way that I wanted to live, um, that were entrepreneurs or that were doing things differently. It was not, it was not lawyers. It was not people living in nine to five jobs. That wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. So I had to just sort of take their advice with a grain of salt. 
Yeah, there's a saying that don't, don't take uh, constructive criticism from someone who's not constructing anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. You gotta be right. careful, you know. And yeah. I think it's good that we we're having this dialogue because there are people that are watching us now who are in a similar position, where they're 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 not feeling called to do that traditional corporate thing or the traditional path that they thought, and they're starting to hear the naysayers. So I'm I'm glad this is coming up. Um, definitely wanted to take time to say hello to Kim Tucker, who's just commenting here in the comments section. We appreciate you. I uh, see more people again logging on, so please make sure you're uh, chiming in the comments section so we can uh, recognize you. So, Lee, I want to talk about this. You were you're a paralegal. You're making fifty thousand dollars a year, but then you go from you, you go on to make fifty thousand dollars per month working for yourself. Talk to us about that. How did you make that transition? Well, the first thing you have to do if you want to change your reality is, and if you want to change your income, is become the person who already lives out that income and already lives out the reality. So if I wanted to make $50,000 in a month, I needed to not be a paralegal anymore because paralegals don't make $50,000 a month. So you first have to really start looking, not just like with labels, with like the occupation and I need to be an entrepreneur. I need to have my own business. You know, all that obviously was true and, and needed to happen for me, but it was also more internally who I needed to become. I needed to take bigger risks. I needed mm -hmm. to do things that not everyone was willing to do. I needed to be willing to be embarrassed, to, to face rejection, to sell stuff that, um, you know, not everyone wanted and that people would judge me for and that people had um, their opinions on. I needed to be able to um, have confidence in a way that, that I hadn't. So that was, that was the first move was really starting to reevaluate who I was, how I was living, what I was spending my time doing and, you know, admit to myself that that wasn't working anymore. And I think that if anyone is listening to this and wondering how you go from an income jump and you're looking at your bank account or your income statements or your salary to answer that you, you you're looking in the wrong place. You have to look in between the temples and you need to look in the mirror if you're one really wondering. So that's the first step is to examine who you are and, you know, what you're focusing on. And then um, from there, take the action that can lead that out. So for me, that looks like making this blog, not just a blog, but something that provided services and products and something that had a scalable business model. Um, that meant investing in my business, even though I didn't have money and had to really get creative and take risks to do that. That meant quitting my job, even though that was scary and I didn't know if that would happen. That meant putting myself out there at the risk of people making fun of me. And guess what? They did. And I still made it on the other side and made it to $50,000 a month. So it's a lot of fear taking, risk taking. It's a lot of dealing with your fears. It's a lot of your fears coming true and you realizing that you can handle it anyway. This uh, question just comes to mind. because There has to be a mindset shift, right? If you're going from, you know, making what you were making in a year and a month. So, so what, I mean, what was your self-talk like? Like, like what, what, how did you talk to yourself during that time? So the best thing I did was read The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles. That's my favorite book ever of all time. And yeah, it is such a masterpiece. Yeah. And I really embodied or tried to embody all the teachings in that as much as I could. So in the beginning, you almost feel like you're telling yourself little fibs because you're saying there's no shortage of money. And you're like, my bank account has a shortage of money. <laughs> so it can feel okay. like, like, but I have $40 going to my name and it can feel very, you know, ridiculous almost, but you just have to continue to find the truth in what you believe. And there was so much about that book that was true to me. Maybe I didn't have all that money in my bank account, but I also didn't believe that we were meant to live in a world where we all struggle and we're all stressed mm -hmm. about money, the way that we've almost accepted it to be normal. I just mm -hmm. don't think that's how we're meant to live. And so I had to realize that if I believe that were true, that meant that I didn't need to live in that stressed out way. I didn't need to live in that shortage of way. There had to be a way. And so a lot of the mindset shifts I started living came after I read that book. But I do have to say that I think that the reason that book resonated with me so much was because it showed to me things I already knew in my heart to be true, but had never been able to either articulate or never felt 
brave enough to admit. And I mm. find that that's how a lot of entrepreneurs are. They feel like they come into themselves in a new way, but it also feels like they're coming home to themselves. So, um, you know, whatever kind of North Star you can find that helps you align with the fact that you don't need to be broke, you don't need to struggle, you don't need to only have one stream of income. I think most of us, whether it's from a religious standpoint where you would admit that you don't think God put us here to struggle, or whether it's from a universal standpoint or a subconscious standpoint where you really think that your mind is more powerful, you have to align with whatever is truest at your core and can help you see that there are different ways. And then from there, I think you can find support both through other people, mentors, coaches, as well as books, as well as yourself to really do what it takes to start thinking in a different way. Wow. So Leah, was there like this one, like this one month that like you just saw that you just like killed it. And you was like, man. No, no. It was slow and hard and long. It feels yeah. fast now. I look back and it's like, yeah, my business hit a million dollars in five years. We had our first million dollar year five years in. That looks amazing on paper. Yeah. But no, I mean, make no mistake. It was month after month feeling like I came up short. It was month after month not reaching my goals. It was month after month wondering why I wasn't making more, wondering why my business debt wasn't fully paid off yet, wondering why um, my launch didn't go the way as planned. You know, it is, it was not like, it was not an overnight thing and, and it was not a, a, an easy thing. And it was, um, it, it pushed every part of me. And, and then you look back after a few years and you're like, wow, I, I did that. But in the moment, it does not feel like it's fast. And in the moment, it does not feel like it's easy. So you're, your business, mm -hmm. what exactly is it? We do coaching, we do consulting, and we do courses to support mm -hmm. entrepreneurs in their marketing and in their mindset. Okay. Because I just wanted to ask that question because I know there's some viewers out there that's like, man, what is she doing? Like, what what she's doing? doing, I need to be doing that. I need to be doing that. <laughs> I need to be doing coaching and some consulting and some workshops. Or you, should, you should do stuff online. People that are watching should because you have access to literally the entire world if you sell something online versus if you're doing something in person. So I think that that's a good takeaway. So, so what is your like? What does your ideal client look like? Typical client that work that you work with and that you help. The people that find the most success with us are on the surface, people that sell a service at first, at least at first. I don't think that you need to sell a service in your business for forever. I obviously believe in scalability, but we do work with people that start with that before they do some sort of product or some sort of scalable model, like an event, like a book, like a podcast, et cetera. Um, don't do brick and mortar. Don't do physical products for the most part. Um, but then, you know, on the inside, it's people that are are willing to change, willing to work hard and have that certainty in them that there's no other thing that they could possibly do other than entrepreneurship, no matter how hard it gets. And I think that that certainty is something that can be learned, something that you can decide to have. But if you don't have it, it will be very hard for you to find success because you will spend way too much time and energy waffling back and forth between whether or not you're going to go back and get a nine to five job or whether or not this is actually going to work or whether or not you're doing everything right. You have to kind of go into that with that attitude of this is going to work. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and how and, you know, in what way. But this is not an option anymore. Mm. So you have to find out if you're if you're actually built for this. Do you, you think everyone's built to be an entrepreneur? I don't. I used to, but I don't. Do you? No. Yeah, no. I don't either. No, I think I think some people want to, you know, they want to make a lot of money, but they don't necessarily want to be an entrepreneur. Oh, yeah, I agree. Entrepreneurship is very glamorized and yeah. it's not glamorous. <laughs> Always. It can be. I saw I recently saw a quote from Elon Musk, which I loved, where mm. someone asked him what words of inspiration he has for entrepreneurs. And he said, if you need words of inspiration, don't do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you need a pep talk, you're barking up the wrong tree because it. it is like getting up every day and getting knocked down and you have to pull yourself back up every single time. You know, and I hear people say you're working on the weekend. You're not an entrepreneur. Yeah. Not, yeah. Any of that type of stuff where like you just can't see it being outside of a nine to five box because you're an entrepreneur. It's like you just it's like you you, you just want to do it. Right. Like you, it's like a you book. That you, it's yeah. a book that you just can't put down. Like you just keep picking it up and you just want to just 
continue to to improve and it's not really work. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So so Leah, have you had to have that conversation with someone just to say, you know what? Look, I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't think you're built for this. That's right. I don't, I don't want to take your money. But because honestly I don't have you ever had to have that type of conversation with someone? I that's a great question. And the way I approach it isn't so much that I don't think you're ready for this or cut out for this. I don't think I'd ever say that to someone because I think that that has to come from within. I would never want someone to blame me for why they didn't go for things. I think that they need to find that answer internally. But mm -hmm. I have said that I encourage you to take a serious look at if you really mm -hmm. want to do this, because this mm -hmm. is really what it takes. And if this isn't worth it to you, this might not be the path and you should examine that. So I would never tell someone that I don't think they could do it, but I have encouraged them to really consider how bad they were. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, what advice do you have for that person who's watching this now and they've got a side hustle and they want to make the same move you did and get to the point where they're making $50,000 or more per month? What advice do you have for that person? Well, the first piece of advice I have is, like I said, become the person who already does that. And that person probably has a lot of certainty, probably doesn't spend a lot of time going back and forth between whether or not this is going to work or not, probably doesn't spend time dabbling, you know, doesn't spend time questioning themselves, um, is really in full force mode. So really channel that sense of certainty and try to move forward that way. Um, and then take the action from there. And if you don't have a mentor, you should get a mentor. It's not something that you're meant to do alone. Um, and really ask yourself, as hard as it might sound, is there anything else you'd rather do? Like, is there any other way you can see your life going? And I think that that's really when entrepreneurs, if, if they're like, I guess I really don't care that much, then, you know, that's an answer. But if it's like, I, at the end of the day, I could never look back on my life and not regret me not going for this. That's all, that really is all the answer you need. And I think people have a lot more power in them than they, than they give themselves credit for. Wow. And I tell, I tell Eric all the time and this, and I tell my team, I'm like, you have to feel like you're locked in a room and you got to get out. Yeah. I love that. That's like, that's gotta be the mindset. If that's not the mindset that you have, you know, then it's not, it's not for you got to figure it out. Like yeah, I totally agree. Shut down, yeah. So, so as we're talking about this, Ted brings up something interesting because I have some theories on this, right? You know, we talk about this whole thing with the side hustle. I think part of the problem with some people is that they don't have to have it, right? So let's yeah. say, like, I, I work with people who are in the government, and I tell Ted they're, they're like a GS seventy five in the government, right? They've got right. a good position, but they have a they have a they have a side hustle they want to do. But it's not like they have to do it. So you talk to them and you're like, hey, so did you start writing the book yet? Oh, no, I didn't get around to it. No, I didn't. Start the blog yet? Oh, no, I didn't. So talk to that. I think sometimes that could be the hindrance where, where your side hustle really isn't your plan A, it's more your plan B. Well, and I think that, you know, at the end of the day, that is everyone's prerogative. And if this is not a must for them, then they need to kind of have that that conversation. For me, my side hustle, my business was a side hustle for two years. And during those two years, I did not have the sense of urgency that I eventually kicked into gear. It was a lot of maybe things will change, but maybe I'm not willing to. Maybe I can buy a discounted course from Udemy or Udemy, and maybe that'll change something and it didn't. And during those two years, I made a few hundred dollars a month if I was lucky. Um, and it wasn't until I really realized that I either needed to be in or out that I changed my mind. So yeah. if someone wants to do a side hustle for the love of the game, that is their prerogative and they can do it, but they should not kid themselves about it becoming a full-time hustle if they're not willing to do what it takes. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's interesting when you think about like the pandemic. Yeah. Right? A lot of people, you know, it's like, oh, what am I going to do? But, you know, the entrepreneurs, I mean, we, we figured it out before. Yeah. You figure it's it out. It's another dynamic. You just you just figure it out. I, I heard some people, Eric and I talk about that. And they're like, oh, man, I'm going to really get this going. You know, I'm going to get these things moving once it's, the pandemic is over. Right. And you it's know, like, what are you waiting for? Two years later. Right. It's not here. Right. Oh, wait, things get back to normal. You, you better keep a mask somewhere close. Right. Put it on. Take it off. Put it on. Take it off. I mean, totally. you still have to, you know, figure out how you're going to do it, you know, no matter what's in front of you. Right. Right. For sure. 
So, so you, you, you were talking about mentors and how important that is. Like, who are some of the key mentors that have helped you to get to where you are? I think the one that most stands out to me that I've most looked up to is Bob Proctor, who recently passed away, sadly. But he is I mean, he didn't personally mentor me, but I've learned from a lot of the people that were personally mentored by him. And I'd say his philosophies are who have resonated with me the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's got some great stuff. Yeah, he's amazing. Sure. Yeah, it's a lot of his. I mean, it's timeless. The stuff he was talking. I mean, that was some of those things he said were years ago. Yeah. And they still totally. Yeah, it actually, it still applies today. It's a, yeah. it's a principle. So yeah. that's good. And you, you bring up something interesting is that your mentor doesn't have to be somebody you talk to every day. It yeah. can be someone you read about or you listen to. Well, I will say that I've spent a lot of money on coaches of his philosophy. I do yeah. think it's important to have someone like in the ringer with you. But it was kind of like his teachings that have, you know, trickled down for to various people and have taught me and, and, and guided me. Good. And so, so tell us about one of your most memorable client success stories, somebody that you helped to get to that next level. Mm. Oh, I have so, I don't even know how to pick one, but one that really stands out to me, one of my clients who made a million dollars within a year of starting her side hustle. So she is, she was really interested in politics and she was making like $60,000 a year at a nursing home. Um, and she was just like, I really want to do something different. I really want to do something that helps. So she started kind of doing a little bit of consulting and a little bit of field work and just sort of trying to grow this movement around things that she cared about. She did a lot of um, Black Lives Matter work. She did a lot of, um, you know, just sort of progressive initiatives. And yeah, and and she was able to, her business grew to a million dollars in the first year from doing that. And what I love about her story is how heart-centered it is. You know, it wasn't like she did this by investment banking or some of these mm -hmm. more traditional things that we think of are just so money centric. And for her to be able to have done this in a place that was so aligned, um, I think is such a good example, both of following your passion and recognizing that money can come with that. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. That's but, incredible. and it was all through her mindset. You know, once she decided she was going to do this, she did not look back at all. And, and I've really never seen anyone do it like her. Wow. That's a great success story. Yeah. She's amazing. You all better get with Leah. Well, I'm telling you, Leah will get this thing moving for you. You better get with her. You better get with her. I'll tell you. So, so tell us, uh, Leah, tell us about something that was hard for you in business when you first started out that's still hard for you today. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Um, fear, <laughs> the fear of failure, the, mm. the mean comments that I was, I used to be afraid of getting them. Now I get them. <laughs> the mean emails that I used to be afraid of getting. Now I get them. Um, the uncertainty of things, you know, all, all of it is easier. Um, but still hard because mm. it just grows in scale. So at first I was afraid of not making my money back. Now I've made my money back and more, but I have employees and their livelihood on the lines. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, if money doesn't go the way that I wanted it to, it used to be, you know, I wouldn't make it back. Now it's like, oh, I have, you know, huge responsibility. Um, I could go on, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I wouldn't trade any of these fears for any of the, I, it's all worth it to me is, is what I've learned is that these fears don't go away. And they're still worth it to me to have, you know, the business that I do. So, so, so Leah, what, what's your, uh, what's your normal day? Like when you start, when you wake up, what do you do? Give us a normal day, your routine. Um, I, it's such a weird answer right now because I have a 13 week old. So my life has been very <laughs> different than usual, but yeah. I, um, I'm a big morning person. I like to work in the morning when I can. I also am a big exerciser. I do that as well. And I think getting outside really helps. I typically take client calls and team calls until about two. I find that I'm not as great in the afternoon. Um, or I just like to do things a bit more introverted by then because I'm a little more tired. So I'll do things behind the scenes by then. And then I usually stop working at around four and spend time with my family. Nice. Yeah. Can't complain. Nice. So, so you're also, in addition to being this entrepreneur, um, you're the host 
of your biggest vision podcast. Mm -hmm. So, so what will people gain by tuning in? They'll gain, you know, a lot of what we talked about in terms of cultivating your vision and tuning into that feminine energy part of the masculine hustle that I also love so much. Um, but they'll also gain a very real and raw look at the behind the scenes of my life. And I, and I feel, almost felt a little bit like egotistical starting to talk about it so much, but I think it really helps people see that I'm a person and that I'm no different than them. And a lot of people want to have their own business and work for themselves and want to have uh, their income raise and they can, and this is what it looks like in the day to day. And so by that, I mean, I break down mistakes I made with launches or, um, habits that have helped me or books I've liked reading that have really helped me and what helps. So I just try to be very transparent with my life. Um, in addition to, you know, giving business tips. Hmm. That's interesting. You say that. So you break down mistakes you've made in launches. Yeah. That's so what, why do you focus on the mistakes? So other people don't make them. Good. That's a good answer. That's a great answer. Well, so you don't make them again. Exactly. 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 I just think that's so important because mm -hmm. you look at everybody's Facebook uh, news feed, you know, everybody's kids making straight A's, everybody's, everything right. is perfect. You, know? in, you got a new promotion, everybody, you're winning. Everybody's winning all the time. Everybody's winning. <laughs> right. Totally. Everybody no. got the new car. No, no, you can't do that. You got to keep it real. Right. No, so I mean, that's authentic. So mm -hmm. definitely, I think that people need to, when you're not listening to the 30 minute hour podcast, I mean, you need to be listening to your biggest vision. Thank you. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, so what's next on the horizon for you? Um, I think that the you know future of business is just continuing to cultivate your own brand and your own story and making sure that you are your own biggest asset. And that is the same for me. So what that looks like for me is prioritizing motherhood as I'm a new mom and really leaning into and exploring what it looks like to both be a woman um, that has her own business and to be a mom at the same time. I'm obviously not the first woman to do it. And I feel so lucky that others have paved the way, but it's still far from the status quo. So really trying to be able to do both and stand up for the vision that I have being able to do both. Um, and, you know, sharing that and, and making sure people know that whether it's motherhood or entrepreneurship um, or whatever their version of that is, it is possible. And you have to keep continuing to fight for it, even when things get hard. So that's what my story looks like from a practical standpoint, all you entrepreneurs out there, lean into your story and tell your story. Branding, personal branding isn't going anywhere. You know, I, and I still want to go back to, you know, earlier I asked about the, the family and friends, right? When you decided that you were going to, you know, not go the, that law, that legal track, and you were going to do this. Mm -hmm. Now, how are they now that this is starting to, or this has like taken off? I mean. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people that I hadn't talked to in a long time, like our clients of mine now basically have, have ended up seeing what doing. Yeah, and they're interested. Like Leah, Leah, let's get together. Let's yeah. get together. I got an idea. No, that's great. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it, you know, if, if if I can help them, I'm, I'm very flattered and happy to. Um, so I'm, I'm sure not everyone has great opinions about what I've done because <laughs> everyone likes to, not everyone likes to see what other people do. But mm -hmm. for the most part, I have, you know, I feel very lucky that I had such good friends and, and such close family relations before I started this because yeah. those haven't changed at all. Um, you know, yeah. and I still have that really supportive group of friends and family that have been with me through the good and the bad and um, believed in me when no one else did. And now, you know, are still there for me and, um, and, and just are ha like happy for my success when not everyone else is. That's good. E Eric and I are your friends too now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're all in it together. That's right. Absolutely. And, uh, so we're going to go to the final part of our show. It's called Write This Down. Uh, and this is where we just leave everybody with that one closing thought to write down. It's to help the entrepreneurs to level up. So Leah, you are the guest of honor. What is your closing thought you want people to remember about this episode? I want people to remember that if you're ever looking for the change you want to see, in a Google search, in someone else, 
including your mom, who you might call in a book um, or anywhere else to first look inside and to realize that what you're looking for, whether it's more money, clarity on your career, the next step in entrepreneurship, it's likely already something that you know you need to do. You might not know how. I want to make that clear. So maybe you want to make $50,000 in a month and you are going to look everywhere for a business plan on how to make $50,000 in a month. First, look inside and make sure that you actually believe you can do that and that you are going to do whatever it takes to do that and that you have some ideas on how you would want to make that happen and then take the action that you need. But so often we're always looking outside of ourselves for motivation, for answers, for inspiration, for certainty. And the only certainty you need to go for something big is the certainty that no matter what comes, you will be okay and you will make it through. Um, and I think once you have that, the action you can take, not only will it be bigger, you'll take it faster, you'll also have more fun and you'll really, really surprise yourself with how much you can accomplish. Awesome. Write that down. I'm supposed to follow that, Eric. That's right. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was incredible. No, thank you so much. Our pleasure. You're a tough act to follow, Leah, but you know, <laughs> one, of, one of the things I have said uh, in the years, over the years, kind of a quote, it's like, uh, uh, you know, some, you know, dream of success and others wake up and make it happen. Right. Tomorrow's the day. That's it. You know, you wake up and you make it, you make it happen and you just start doing it and you just, and then just be persistent. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen, you know, overnight, you just keep pushing forward and everything that you, you know, the success, I'm sure there were days when you were like, ah, you know, but then, sure. but then all that, worth it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I say, you know, don't just dream about it. Wake up and make it happen. Absolutely. Wake up and make it happen. Uh, and, and so my around the horn piece just has to do with what we talked about earlier. If you're thinking that you're going to go from making $50,000 a year to $50,000 a month with a $50,000 a year mentality, it's not happening. Yeah. Right. You have to understand there's a mindset shift that's required, Absolutely. right? It's the books you're reading. We mentioned the science of getting rich. It's networking with people who are also making $50,000 a month. So you notice their habits, routines, and rituals. But please don't underestimate the mental requirement for you yeah. to get to that next level. You Absolutely. can't get there with the same level of thinking. Absolutely. Love it. Absolutely. Well, this has been an awesome episode of 30 Minute Hour Podcast. We want to thank our guest, Leah Gervais. Leah, how can the people connect with you? Thank you guys so much. You can find me at leahgervais.com or on Instagram at leahgervais underscore. All right. Fantastic. Don't forget to share the show. Share the show. Exactly. Share the show. And you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, any of those other places. That's our show for this week. And then, until next time, have a great one.